0: Hello and welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything, where we give you the tips, scripts, stories, and steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. I'm so honored to be your host, Dr. Robin Silverman, child and teen development specialist, author and speaker, and most importantly, parent of two great kids who give me the opportunity to love, learn, and grow every single day, whether I want to or not. Believe me, I get it. It's not always easy. But as you know by now, we're in this together and we have some great people to help us along the way. Do you want to make your child money genius, even if you're not? Well, you are in luck today. We live in a time where stakes are high. Many parents worry that their kids will not be more financially successful than they were, which actually is a big change from previous generations that always seem to believe that the next generation would be better off than they were. Given that we hear about lots of kids who often wind up with high student loans, low paying jobs, not enough money to go out on their own after college, is there something we can do now to help our kids become more knowledgeable about how to best handle money? Turns out, yes, there is. And there is work to be done. Many kids and young adults don't know what they need to know about how to save, spend, invest, and ultimately use money in responsible ways. We've talked about money before in a past episode with money expert Neil Godfrey, and today we're going to get into some different money questions that help us age by age know what to do to help our kids become money geniuses, what mistakes to avoid, and how we can talk to kids about all of this. And we have the privilege to have money genius herself, Beth Kobliner, on the show. Beth Kobliner is one of the nation's leading authorities on personal finance for young people and the author of the New York Times bestsellers, Make Your Kid a Money Genius, Even If You're Not, and Get a Financial Life, Personal Finance in Your 20s and 30s. A former staff writer for Money Magazine, she has contributed to the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal and has appeared on CNN, MSNBC, NPR, and one of my favorites and possibly yours, Sesame Street. She also served on President Obama's Advisory Council on Financial Capability for Young Americans. You can learn more about Beth in the notes of this podcast on DrRobinSilverman.com and also on Beth's website at BethCobliner.com. We are so thrilled to have you welcome, Beth, to How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. Well, we're really happy to, that you're here, too, because I, I definitely have a lot of questions. But before we get into the meat of the matter, for those who haven't had the opportunity to read your book, which I just like read cover to cover, I'm so excited about, so well done, would you just take a moment to tell us What gets you up in the morning? And what made you so interested in helping parents and kids to become money geniuses? Right. Well, thank you again.
1: Um, I've been writing about money now for 30 years. Um, And uh, I have been traveling around the country um, when I was doing the work with President Obama on the council to figure out what parents really need to know know to teach their kids about money because that was the topic I would ask as a parent of three kids Um, for the last you know my oldest is 21 so for the last I'd say about 19 years I've been asked on playgrounds and in classrooms and and now college campuses parents are very worried about how to teach their kids to get some financial wisdom whether it's how to you know manage a debit card in college and or not to you know how to become a saver when they're very young children. And it's a research-based book. I looked at the best research that's out there on behavioral economics and social psychology and sort of try to make it uh, accessible to people. Um, and what I've been told by people is that, you know, it really is a way to teach themselves about money mm-hmm. and then teach their kids. Since, as you know, money is such a a fraught issue. People are nervous about it. They feel they're not equipped to teach their kids or they don't want their kids to know how bad they are with money. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I, I realized it was really time to get something for parents to help their kids at any age, whether they're three up till age 23.
0: Right, and and I think you're right. If people are very nervous about money, I mean, we have images of our our kids coming home from college and winding up on our couch forevermore, right. Uh, right? You know, and and we certainly have heard so much about kids feeling like they they'll never be able to catch up. The student loans are so large. The job uh, the right. job market is very challenging. The money that they're getting for certain jobs is not enough to sustain them. And and so, you know, I think that people are very conscious of the fact that money is important, but I think what you nailed even in your title is, you know, we want our kids to know about money, but sometimes we feel like we don't know enough. So right. let's start sort of at the beginning. I, I know that people I've spoken to have gotten really garbled up when talking about allowance. I have to agree. I, I really have too. I've tried a lot of different things when it comes to allowance, but it feels, I don't know, it just feels frustrating to me because at Hmm. one hand I want – I want to teach them character and hey, you should be doing these jobs, you know, the jobs around the house you should be doing, you know, wanting to do things uh, just because you want to do them. Uh, So Mm -hmm. we've heard it's great for teaching kids about how to save and use money. So, you know, they have money so that they can partial it out. So that makes sense. But what is your take on allowance? Well, I think...
1: Most parents I talk to sort of have your your take, the frustration of well, first of all, some people say you know we started an allowance system and then you know we forgot to give it to yes, the kids and yes. they forgot to ask us and is that really you know how do we how do we handle this? And so the first thing I did was look into the research and looked at um, about two dozen, reports that have been done on allowance both in the U.S. and in other countries. And the bottom line with allowance is it's not the holy grail of being a good uh, parent when it comes to money. In other words, some studies show when you give a kid allowance, yes, they learn some responsibility and they, you know, start thinking about money in a different way. But equal number of studies showed when you give kids allowance, well, maybe that will make them feel a little more entitled. and Maybe they're going to save less. So my point is you don't have to give a, a kid allowance to make them smart about money. There are plenty of people I am, for example, someone who my parents didn't give me allowance. And just as we went along, they, we made decisions together of, you know, there's a class trip and I want to go. Yes, we'll give you money for that. Oh, my friends are all going out for pizza. Well, that's not something we want you to do right now or we don't think we'll, we'll chip in for that. Or So it was kind of that's, that's how we did did the allowance. Mm
0: -hmm. We do know
1: that if you, you know, when you want to give your kid, whether you do a formal allowance, like the same amount every month, or you give them money as it goes along, you want to be clear about what the money you're giving a kid will be for. You have to be consistent. If you say, you know what, I'm going to help, I'm going to pay for a few, um, lunches out with your friends, maybe, you know, a teenager, but from then on you have to pay for it yourself, then you have to stick to that. Because I think that's one of the ones where parents feel bad and they go back on what they said. So you have to be clear, you have to be consistent. I feel very strongly you should give allowance to kids in cash. There's a lot of apps now that say, well, you can, you know, just press a button and automatically, or it even can automatically go to your kid every week and they don't have to worry about forgetting about it. But the problem with that is then you're, cutting out the real experience of talking to your kid about money and handing them cash because you know research shows that we spend twice as much when we use debit or credit than when we use actual cash. We experience the pain of paying when you use cash because you're counting out those bills and you're giving them away and I think that's one of those important experiences for kids to really have and the final one is don't tie allowance to chores. Right, right. What you said I agree. I don't think it, there are very few kids and who would say, I love doing chores, <laughs> but <laughs> uh, there must be some out there. I sure mean, maybe may there mind. is. <laughs> right. But you can say, look, we're a family family. And so for basic things, whether it's really simple, you know, age appropriate. If they're six years old, maybe they help empty the dishwasher. Or they're a little older, they make their bed. And the idea is that we are a family. We chip in. We all do chores. We're all part of this family. Um, And we know now research has shown that kids who start chores at young ages, really young, four, five, six, and they they don't get paid for chores, those kids are shown to hit some financial milestones um, more easily than kids who get paid for chores or don't do chores at all. For example, they are more likely to finish school and more likely to start careers. So these are studies that track people, and we really see how giving chores to kids, simple chores, really are, that is and very empowering for a child to realize that they're responsible, and so it can be more work for us sometimes. But it's important to give your kids some chores, and if you want to give them one-off things, like well, you know, something I do, I, I hate organizing photos. Um, once I take a lot, but then mm-hmm. I don't know how to organize them on my phone. Mm-hmm. I have my, I pay my 13-year-old to do that every now and then. You know, a one-off job that I might actually pay someone else for. That's another way that your kids can maybe. Earn a little money if they're still too young to get an
0: actual job I think that may be where I got a little garbled up myself mm. so I think you know I have contribute you know family contributions my kids make their beds they clear the table you know they set right. the table they do these things and they don't get paid for it right. uh, and I think that we kind of straighten those things out because they're everyday things uh, right. and setting the table you know they take turns Uh, each day. But I think what happened with the allowance system for us was we were giving allowance for jobs, like we were going to pay them for the things that they were doing, not Mm. a one-off. And this is like what I'm hearing you say. Mm -hmm. This is like, you know, jobs that I wanted, you know, we wanted them to do on a weekly basis, uh, that, mm. that were on top of the chores. Well, then it got a little confusing. It yeah, was like, yeah. how often do I need to do these jobs? You know, And like right. if it was weeding or something, so who mm-hmm. likes weeding? We do right. not. So this was a job that we didn't want to do. And so well, how often do you need to do that? Do you need to do that once a week? Do you used to be doing three times a week? What about homework and everything else? I, that's where we got a little confused. So what you're saying yeah. is we, it really needs to be more allowance should be sort of separate even from that and that they shouldn't and and that these one-off jobs are the things that they can get paid for paid for yes absolutely
1: and I mean the point is don't link the allowance to those regular everyday chores that you expect them to do because you're also not only are you you know that study shows that it's important important for kids to have that intrinsic value of yes. feeling yes. that I'm being responsible and I'm not being motivated by money I'm doing this cuz I'm part of a family but it also is that you don't want to be in the constant state which it sounds like maybe you're beginning to be of negotiating right. and your kids are like well maybe you know maybe I won't do the weeding I don't really care about the $3 you know and you right. need it done and so for those things that you really you know expect them to do as part of a family member it's not tied to chores Uh, not tied to to money, giving them allowance, but for one-off jobs, you know, or twice a year you weed or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. I think it's okay to sort of pay for those because you'd probably pay for someone else to do them. And I think that um, really gives a kid a chance to prove that they're part of the family, they're a team player, but also, you know, it's very hard for a kid to make money elsewhere. So it does give them an opportunity to start saving cash and maybe, Start
0: saving for something they really want. My daughter, who's eight years old, decided that she would do a little car wash in my mm-hmm. uh, in my driveway, and so she washed my car, she washed my husband's car, and when Uncle Mark came, she washed his car too. Uh-huh. And Uncle Mark absolutely gave her a couple of bucks for right. you know washing <laughs> the cars, and we did too. We wound up doing that too, uh, uh-huh. as you know, the extra something that obviously we would have gone to a car wash to wash right. our cars. So, and she loved that. She thought that was terrific. I remember making, yeah,
1: exactly. Or I remember, um, you know, shoveling snow. I grew up in Queens, New York, and I made a bundle. I used to love that. You know, and there are all kinds of, you know, babysitting, of course, or tutoring, helping, you know, there are all kinds of ways that kids can make a little bit of extra money. And again, if you decide to say, as a parent, I want to give allowance, you can do that that, that's fine. But you don't have to feel obligated to do that. And you could say to your child, well, we decide, you know, we'll help you, especially when you're younger, figure out what we want to spend money on and help you with, um, and what costs we don't think, you know, are worth you getting, um, or what items we think that we're going to hold off on now. And as they get older, I mean, it does better um, to get a little, give your kids a little more autonomy and a little more of a sense of, okay, these are things that we expect you to pay for. Um, And I know many parents, by the time their kids go to college, they'll say, okay, here's your set amount amount for this semester, and you have to make do with that, you know, and figure out what other extra expenses above and beyond tuition and room and board, you know, if you have a meal plan, then you're going to spend that extra money on eating out sometimes, well, you're going to end up not having enough if you want to take a road trip with your friends. Mm-hmm. And, and really sticking to that kind of budget um, when they're in, up that those later years, I think that becomes more and more important.
0: Do you feel that when money comes in for our children that they should be dividing it up based on, you know, short-term goals, like something they're saving for really soon or like quick cash and short-term goals and sort of medium-length right. goals and long-term and, you know, pay right. 10% to <laughs> charity. Do you feel like you're supposed to divide it up or how, how does that right. work yeah. for you?
1: Yeah, I think particularly for very young children, the old, you know, the three jars method, you know, um, which is what I got to teach um, Elmo about oh, on Sesame nice. Street, which was really fun. Oh, <laughs> love that, love it. Yeah, it was really fun. But you, you know, a third in saving, a third in spending ending so something you if you really want something you save up and a third in um, you know giving giving to other people people who need um what you you know what you basically you have more than many many people and using that as a springboard for lessons about talking about giving to others and I have a whole chapter on giving in my book yes. but I feel very strongly while it's important to sort of talk about giving um I think that also a lot of times younger children get more out of giving their time mm-hmm. than, you know, their their cash or their pennies. And I think that um, it doesn't have to be super complicated. I, I really, I think sometimes we're in that TMI you know, mm-hmm. where there's so much information and people are confused and like, well, what what percentage do I get? Yes. It doesn't read that. And I hopefully like, I try to really make that clear in the book that there are all these different ways to do it. But the most important thing is just again being consistent, mm-hmm. um, telling your kid, you know, what you what you spend your money on, really having conversations. And once you get into that mode with them um, and having conversations about, we might have. What, you know, we might have something that's great and your friends might have something that we won't ever get. You know, we may not get a, you know, go on this fancy vacation to a beach, but we will, you know, but get a ping pong table for our basement or really having those conversations because what I found is whether people have a lot of money or a little money. Those conversations are very difficult for them to have. And that's why it's so important to really get more comfortable with that. Just as we talk to kids about, we would never think of not talking to our kids as they get older about sex or drugs mm-hmm. or, you know, that's just now part of our life that we know we have to really introduce these topics at young ages. But when it comes to money, their people are still very hesitant. Um, it's really still a taboo. Yes. And I think all of these are. And points for discussing it whether it's you're making money or you know how are we spending our money or what do, you know what do i wish i had or how am i saving up for whatever my goal is and i think once we get into that place with kids or able to talk about it in those ways i think that's really what make kids money
0: geniuses and i do mean geniuses because i think most people don't know this basic information. Absolutely. I think you're right on that. And those conversations, I think, are extremely important. And and I think you're right that we we know, even though we really don't often want to talk about certain things with our kids, whether it's the sex conversation or, some, right. or, or the death conversation, that we know it's on our list of things that we must do, but right. maybe money isn't on the list and needs to be. So exactly. I, I think that's really important. Now, I'd like to look beyond allowance for a moment and talk about other ways that we can help our kids to become money geniuses. In your book, you do this amazing job of dividing your advice up age by age. So let this be sort of a multi-part question. So the okay. first part is, can you give us like two to three tips for our youngest kids, like since you say start early, like that I right. know is like your top thing, start early. What are your tips that we should be doing with our youngest kids, our preschoolers, so that we can kind of start them on the way to becoming money geniuses?
1: Right. I think the two basic ones for, you know, three to five-year-olds is, first off, understanding that research shows that by age three, kids can understand and grasp some simple concepts like value, things have value, and exchange. So teaching a kid, you know, we need money to buy things because right now they see us swipe cards and magically we get what we want at the grocery store or we they don't even go to the grocery store. They see us, you know, type in something on the computer and it magically shows up the next day. Um, so I think taking kids using everyday moments, going shopping, you know, um, taking them and doing a little comparison shopping with young children, talking about needs, And wants, you know, we really need milk, but we really want chocolate milk, and we really need vegetables, um, but we want veggie puffs, or, and talking about those trade offs, um, I think really is something that hammers home that message to kids. Oh, we can't get everything I want, but we can make choices. Um, I think also bringing your kid to your job, you know, we make, I earn money by working, and this is what my job is, and, you know, just for little kids just getting a sense of, oh, okay, that's where they go every day. I, this woman in my office told me when she was very young she thought her, her father's job was to leave every day and read the newspaper because he would left, leave with the newspaper under his arm and then, you know, it turned out he was a teacher so she finally, you know, learned that and I'd say the other really big one for young children is those that three jars idea every time they get pennies or money or grandma sends a present or whatever it is, you're saving up for something you really want and you have to wait before you buy something. Just starting that notion of we have to wait, you know, we wait for the swings, we wait for our birthday, we wait for holidays, we also have to wait and save up for something we really really want and those kind of goals if a kid really wants, I know Shopkins is really big now, mm-hmm. You, we're gonna save it up and we're gonna put that money in the jar and we're gonna look at it and we know we might not be able to get it today we're going to save and, and, and try to reach that goal. Maybe we'll do a little matching plan. Or, but when, when you're talking about young ages, that's what really grabs their attention, I think. Um, saving up for something and realizing that they're doing something that's you know kind of a grown-up thing to do. They're saving for something they really
0: want. Right, and it's very concrete when they see those jars and they're able to count the money and feel the money. Um, and I love what you're talking about with the needs and the wants. I remember reading it in your book that your your father talks about making sure that you do, you know, what you have to do first, and then do, right, <laughs> you know, what you want to do. And I, my kids, hear me say this. I read it and I went, oh my gosh. That is the same as my house. I say mm-hmm. constantly, we need to do what we have to do before we get to do what we want to do. First wow, do what you yeah. have to do, then do what you want to do. I feel like my kids would repeat that over and over. If you said, what's the piece of advice your mom says? I'm like, that is something I say all the time. So it really wow. resonated with me uh, mm, when you talked about yeah. needs and wants in your in your book. And I like that you're using it in such a concrete way at, like, the supermarket or mm-hmm. at the Toy store, We need to get a, a, a present for your friend, but we want to get this particular toy for ourselves. That right. makes a lot of sense. Okay. Right, right. No, it's true. And those real experiences,
1: though, I mean, that is the one thing that my, my youngest is 13, so my kids are kind of big now. But I think that that everyday experience we're all so busy we're like oh we're just going to order everything online yes. but not
0: having those real c- concrete experiences so is something that kids are missing out it's on so true and just seeing cash I mean mm-hmm. seriously seeing cash and I'm as guilty right. as anybody else and taking out a credit card and, and, you know, we we don't have all, tons of credit cards, but even taking out the one or two credit cards that we have and swiping, my daughter loves to do that with me. My mm. son likes to, you know, swipe it with me. It's not a great lesson to learn, right. uh, you know, right. because right. they are not counting out the money. The way that you can do with their money in the jars, and so I, that's one of the reasons why I really love that idea. So why don't we move to elementary age Great. kids. So what two to three tips would you give us to help make those elementary age kids money geniuses? This is where my kids are, seven and eight years old, so I'm, right. I'm listening with, with incredible interest. <laughs> right. Um,
1: first off, uh, there was sort of a horrifying study that came out of uh, University of Cambridge I'm nervous. in England. Yeah, <laughs> that showed that by age seven, many of the habits that will help kids manage their money in the future, they're actually already set by okay. age seven, okay. which is why a good it's job. important. Yeah, <laughs> it's important to start exactly. But that said, you know, these elementary school years are really key times and very actually much easier times to talk to kids about money because they're really excited to learn more about it. Um, kids want to buy stuff. So one example would be comparison shopping, going to a supermarket and saying, well, we have to buy tissues. Do you think we should buy this mm. one? You know, talking about, you know, advertising. And yes. my one of my favorite um, studies was one that showed that when they when they, their kids cereal boxes, they usually have the characters on the box look downward at the kids. <gasps> um, Whereas to sort of meet the gaze of a young child, which <gasps> is fascinating. Who knew? Um, wow. Yeah, who knew? I know. It was, it's sort of crazy. And pointing out the colorful wrapping and, you know, all that is, I think, really interesting to young children and sort of saying, you know, we're not going to get tricked by that. Let's figure nice. that out. And this one costs, you know, we can get, two of these for one of those um, i think those are those are great great um lessons i think also opening a bank account just going to the bank even though interest rates are pr- fairly pathetic maybe now you can get one yes, yeah. percent on a savings account but it's an experience that really makes it more concrete mm-hmm. for children um to walk into that bank account with their parents and they probably won't get those lovely little passbook savings account we used to get but they will get statements and talk about, you're going to get a little bit extra money, Uh, you know, few pennies, but it will be more money than you had, than when, than when you put the money in. And that's interest. And we are so excited to put our money here and to help it grow. It'll grow faster than if we just kept it in our drawer at home. Um, I think those are the key ones. Again, those real everyday life experiences that kids remember Mm -hmm. and try to emulate. Um, and of course, the other big one is you know being online. Kids are online now, of course. So setting very clear rules about you know never typing in information online, and right. certainly um, you know I think sometimes it's it's tempting to say to your, if they're like oh I want to buy this okay well you know I've found myself you know like my son saying can you what's your credit card number oh, I'm like no right. no no can I I'm buy this that. yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it's that kind of thing. And I think I was, I've been very surprised that parents who I've met on my book tour would tell me, you know, our kids are so addicted to certain websites, and they press a button, and they keep getting more and they buy gems or they buy. And I'm like, well, how are they getting this money? Mm -hmm. And they'll say, Oh well, you know, we'll give it to them an allowance. They'll say, "But how are they getting it online?" And they'll say, "Oh well, well, they give me the cash, and I'll let them buy it." Oh. And you know, um, and I think parents have to really stop for a moment and think about: you don't want to encourage if you don't want to encourage these encourage these behaviors, you shouldn't enable them. Yes. And and I think it's hard. Parents feel pressure. while all the other kids are playing these games, and I just think that if you want your kid to have, you know builds up their ability to delay gratification, Mm -hmm. um, that is not the the way to do it. And we do know, of course, um, that research shows that when kids are able to wait, you know, that famous marshmallow marshmallow study, yes. Exactly, that when they're able to wait, those kids who they've tracked for now 50 years, Mm -hmm. they know that those kids who are able to wait instead of eating a marshmallow, the researcher would say, you wait, and if you wait, when I come back, I'm gonna give you a second marshmallow and those kids who are able to wait um, Had higher SAT scores when they got older and better relationships and uh, even lower body mass indexes Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, they're certainly better about handling money. Um, So I think those elementary years are about teaching waiting and also, you know Comparison shopping and being a smart consumer and opening a bank account.
0: So interesting and and you know, with the with the marshmallow study, which is such a classic, um, I I think it's very important that kids are able to learn different coping mechanisms to keep themselves on track and to allow themselves to delay gratification. But when they're online, it, we're literally giving them the button to press. You know, it's exactly. a quick button culture. And, and so I think what you're saying is really important here. And I want to underscore uh, one of the things you said about advertising, because we Talk a lot about that, and and kids don't like to be duped. The more that we can give them information, the better off they. You know, we need our kids to be savvy when it comes to what the media can do to them. I loved one of the studies that you recognized in your book about how. Kids were given the exact same food, but one of them was yes. wrapped in a McDonald's wrapper and the kids all wanted that one. Right. So, so fascinating and such a way to uh, contextualize how advertising can do such a number on us that we we actually believe the food must be better, more appetizing, more interesting you know, than than this other food that has a plain wrapper or not wrapped at all. Right. So and just
1: like designer jeans and sneakers yes. and all that. I think those are always, oh and I gosh. think you're absolutely right. Kids don't want to be duped and they think it's cool, especially at those younger ages. And yes. even up through, you know, early adolescence, cool to be on the inside and say, you know what, that's not something we're going to do. And, you know, we're going to outsmart the, the marketers who do yes. that and we're not going to fall for that.
0: Yeah. So let's do middle school. So what is it that we need to to do to help our middle schoolers to become, money geniuses. Right. Well, I think then you start really getting into that saving and
1: really saving for a goal and maybe talking about, we're going to put in a matching plan for every amount you save for what you really want. We're going to put in a little money, um, 50 cents or a dollar and match it. And I think that helps kids get closer to obviously reaching their goal, but they still have to wait up for it and save up for something they want. Um, I think talking about basics like compound interest. Um, it sounds like a scary, overwhelming topic, but really the notion of when you put your money in some in an investment, and I go through at this age, what are the different ways that young children can um, have their parents invest their money for them. Um, if you put away only, you know, if it's, uh, you know, $10 a month, and if you did that starting at age 10, um, and you earned a pretty average rate of return by the time you stop working you'll easily have you know a hundred thousand dollars and giving amazing. a kid that yeah giving a kid that story and helping them you know looking on like there's investor.gov which is just a government website that you can type in a percentage and see oh well if I get one percent I'm not going to have all the that much but if I get a higher percent and just talking about you know that that's those are the years they're learning about multiplication and compound interest or they should be in school um, and making it more of a an idea that saving up for something we want in the future really can make a difference um, and I think the other big one along the lines of the marketing one is explaining what a credit card is explaining a credit card is a loan and you mm. have to pay it off or else you pay a lot more money. If you want, you know, an iPad and you put it on a credit card and you make, only make those minimum monthly payments, it will take you many years and many hundreds of dollars to pay it off. And that's a waste of money. So explaining, you know, Hit you. Just like we, we know we say to kids, smoking is really bad for you. And we start at very young ages talking about credit cards and how people can really ruin their lives mm. if they start buying things that they can't really afford. Um, and, of course, you have to, like, not say that to your kid when you have five shopping bags in each hand. Right. Um, and, you know, because kids, str- they know if you're stressed out about debt and they hear conversations, you know, not fighting in front of kids actually is very important because kids who report, college kids were were polled and those who said their parents fought about money when they were kids um, had actually um, higher credit card debts now themselves
0: than kids whose parents didn't fight about money. Fascinating. And I I know for, you know, for these kids at this age, they they need to feel secure. They need to know that mom and dad have got it. So if you need to confide in somebody about your financial distress, you want to talk to a financial advisor or a friend or a spouse or somebody else but not your kids so right right No, that's an excellent point I know a lot of people and there's
1: studies about you know when parents break up and that's very common and that happens but sort of not using money as a as leverage or complaining about you know your dad doesn't want to pay for your soccer team dues or You know, really being
0: careful and not dragging kids into those conversations. Right, right. And then what about for high school? Our high schoolers, uh, you know, they're preparing to go to college. This, some uh, many cases that means a little bit more out on their own or totally and and maybe away from home and and some parents might be giving them a lot more leeway. So for those high schoolers, what do they need to know in order to become money geniuses? Right. Well, research shows, I mean, the
1: first thing people think of is, first, should, should my kid get a part-time job? And there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of debate swirling around about that topic. And some people say, yes, absolutely. Kids, they don't do what they used to do. And I mean, I personally had a bunch of jobs when I was in high school. Yes, yeah, right.
0: Babysitting.
1: Yeah, exactly. Babysitting. I actually worked at a diner. Mm-hmm. I, wor- I worked at a lot of different jobs. But I do think uh, as a parent, I've seen kids, it is trickier. There's much more required of kids, more, yes. kids, more testing that takes place. So, and, and we do know that kids who work uh, many hours, if they work over uh, 20 hours a week, they're going to do worse in school than um, than not. So if they want to have a, a small part-time job, that's fine, and they could really handle the work. But I think it's important to help your kid, because once a kid starts earning more, money from a job, it feels kind of great. And you maybe want to work more hours than you should. So I think putting, you know, and also I think ideally working in the summers is a whole lot better because then you're not eating into your school time. Um, I think the other big one is talking about college, starting in ninth grade. Mm -hmm. And a lot of parents get freaked out because they say, oh, I don't want to make my child nervous and there are too many pressures. But actually, I think starting to talk about we are a team, we're going to figure out how to send you to a a school that will be great for you but also affordable for us and, or, and and really, and I go through in the book all the guidelines and what are the things you can tell um, your kid, especially that people who graduate from college out earn those who only graduate from high school by about a million dollars over their lifetime. Wow. So mm-hmm. college is still a good investment and I think there's been some mixed messages about that. It's important to get that clear to kids. Um, And it's uh, important um, to have them even start, if they do earn some extra money over the summer, one of my favorite examples is opening a Roth IRA, which sounds insane, but actually if you are able to open, if your kid has, say, they earn $500 uh, over the summer and they're able to put $500 away, um, you could even give them that $500 to put in a Roth IRA if they earn $500 and let it sit there and if they did it every year for five years they'd have $100,000 just for five years they'd have about $100,000 by the time they stop working and those kind of, I mean I met so many people, so people on the road yeah I've met so many people on the road who said you know my dad really stressed this to me and so I did it when I earned a little bit of money and you know something it was a habit and I do it every year and I'm now in my 40s and I still do it and I have a lot Lot of money, so yeah. that kind of behavior starting at young is so important. And if you can use some of those earnings, um, it also protects it. If you're going to get financial aid as a family, it uh, many schools don't look at the money in a an IRA, mm-hmm. so they won't, you know, hold that against you.
0: Uh, that's really interesting. And you know, I think sometimes. It's not that parents don't want their kids to have this information but they don't even know to say these things to their right. to their kids. And and I'm so appreciative that you're providing this information because perhaps this will spur on some of our listeners to to help their kids in this way, because what a difference that can make. And that's yeah, a hundred thousand dollars once they stop working simply from those five summers putting away right. that kind of money is amazing. So what would you say is uh, one of the biggest mistakes, Um, or or you can give me more than one, but what are some of the biggest mistakes that parents make with their kids around money that that may deter them or make it so that they don't become money geniuses?
1: Right. One of the biggest ones was a study that showed when uh, parents give constantly give in to their kids at the checkout line, mm-hmm. which is such a common thing. You know, you're at the store, you don't want to make a scene, mm-hmm. your kids are tired, oh, we're just going to buy that item. That parents who actually don't give in yeah. at the checkout line, their kids have been shown in studies to do better with money, to have actually less mm-hmm. financial problems, less financial debt, than kids whose parents are always giving in to them. And it's not surprising because that means, you know, in one case you're saying, nope, Bernard not going to buy that thing, and we're going to wait, and we're going to save for it, or we're going to do it another time. And those kids are hearing repeatedly that lesson of, no, we're not going to get what we want exactly at this moment. Um, And I think when I tell parents that, it helps them have a little more um, self-control. It's hard as a parent. Mm -hmm. It's so hard to not say, "Ah, I work all day. I'll just buy this thing. It's only a dollar anyway. But if you keep doing that, you're kind of teaching your kid this notion of, yes, you get what you want when you want it. Whereas knowing, being empowered with information, you know what? You're not denying your kid. You're actually helping them learn this very valuable lesson that will take them through life. I think parents, again, parents of all income levels find that very helpful. I think the other big one is, I love the study where it fa- said that, that um, parents who save for their kids' college and let their kids know that they're saving for college, those those kids are more likely to go to college regardless of how much money is in those accounts. Oh, interesting. Yeah. In other words, just knowing your parents are saving for your college uh, makes a kid more likely to go to college because they they know – There's that expectation of them. Mm -hmm. Um, And even if there's a very tiny amount of money in the account, you know, and then you have to figure out how do you get a low-cost college, and I go through all that and the importance of really shopping around and not risking your own retirement to send your kids to college. But going you know being smart about that process but telling kids it's something you value really again I think has a real big payoff in their lives.
0: There's a value and then they're also your your kids understand that there's an effort on your side right. that you're doing something for them and that if they keep asking for things that that's right. taking away from your ability to invest in their future so uh, I think it's, it's probably multi-pronged there you know that exactly. they, they, they know that you value it, but also that you're putting effort in there, and that makes them want to, you know, buy into it as well. I also love what you're saying about, you know, that that big mistake um, that that you constantly are spending money on your child whenever they ask, and that's, you know, they're getting everything they want. I feel like kids are really smart, and we don't Mm -hmm. always give them such, you know, great credit, but even my young kids, when we give them information, like, here's why. Like, no, you can't have it. And here's why, you know, I'm trying to, we're trying to save money for this. Or, you know, when we keep doing these sort of impulsive buying, then it takes away from that. They get it. And I feel like they're like, oh, yeah. And I, I even said, my daughter was like... Oh I really wanted to go on a trip to Alabama, you know, to mm. to see um, you know, family member. And I said, "You know what? I I totally did too." But then I looked at the the airline tickets and mm. they were so unbelievably expensive. She's like, "Oh, I guess it wouldn't be a good time to go." I'm like no, we'd have to wait on that. You know, and she gets mm. it. You know, she's eight yeah. years old and she yeah. gets it. So it's wonderful.
1: It's it is I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I think as a parent, you know, sometimes we want to either shield our kids like, Oh, mm. I don't want her to think we can't afford it or I don't want him to think we're you know, be entitled. I spoke right. at Google a few months ago and one of the parents stood up and said, you know, I make more money than I thought I ever would, and I feel very grateful for that, but I'm afraid my kid's going to be, you know, a spoiled mess, because, you know, they can have more things, and how do you, I think it's really, basically comes down to, it's almost a cliche, but your values, and making it clear to your kids, this is what we spend money on, and some of the best stories I heard were families that they had a shared goal, like we wanted, it was a woman I knew, she had a bunch of foster children, And they were thinking of maybe going on like a little family camping trip, mm-hmm. but that meant trade-offs, and they had to say no to certain things. And we can't have pizza night, you know. We're going to save that money. And they really collectively worked toward a goal. Um, you know, I think that really has a big impact mm-hmm. on parents. And Sesame Street, when that, our, our show came out on this topic, they did a test, and they found parents who watched the show with their kids. Not only did the kids learn a little. A little bit about saving and sharing, but the parents actually reported saving more. A group of parents who watched the show versus a control group that didn't. Those parents who talked about these issues and watched the show with their kids, they were kind of more in tune with it themselves and it helped them save, you know, more money. So when we teach our children, we're also teaching ourselves about what really is important and helping ourselves remember, yeah, we really are thinking
0: of long-term goals. Mm -hmm. So if you were in a situation where you actually needed to use some words, because we're all about scripting on this show. Mm -hmm. So if, if, if a child said to you, um, I don't want to wait I know I was supposed to save for my bicycle that I really really wanted but um, I really want uh, to get this ice cream or I really want to get this toy like this amazing new toy just came out or this movie what would you say to them in
1: that moment Right. I think it depends upon the age. I think for younger children, it's okay to say, you know what, we're not going to do that because we decided as a family, we really want to go on this trip. Mm-hmm. or we're So we really don't, we're going to save for that. You can't lie. You don't say, you know, when you walk into the store, oh, I want ice cream and say, oh, I don't have money on me mm-hmm. because that's tempting to do because they'll see you take out your credit card two seconds later and they'll you know you're busted basically Mm -hmm, so you don't want to lie but you say nope we're not when kids are a little older and they're making the decision and they say and parents tell me this again and again that when it's the kids when the kid has a goal like yeah I really want to buy you know those sneakers and Mm -hmm. it may not be a goal you even completely love Mm -hmm. but if that's their you know I believe if they're saving their money for something and then they get tempted you can say okay well you could think about it that's going to mean that you won't be able to get those sneakers until, you know, six months from now or six months later, mm-hmm. or helping them figure out those trade-offs. I think, you know, a woman told me a story where her son had a lot of change and he wanted to go and get it into dollar bills. Like they changed, they all saved the money and they had a jar and they had this big savings, a uh, big amount of coins. And they went to the um, to a grocery store, and then the mom realized, oh no, they charge for it. And the kid's like, I don't care, I want to get my money now. Mm-hmm. And she said, she took a moment and said, okay, you can do that, but that's going to cost us, you know, three dollars, and we only have ten dollars, mm-hmm. so you're going to lose a lot. And the kid sort of thought about it and said, okay, let's do it tomorrow, mm-hmm. you know, in a place that they won't charge us. I think what you were saying before, explaining those trade-offs, you know, ideally. Um, it's harder to do in the heat of the moment. But even as parents, we just have to steel ourselves and tell our kids, you know what, I know, you know, you said you want this goal. I really admire you. And also commiserating. Like, yeah, I know, it's really hard to wait sometimes. Like, mm-hmm, I sure. I would really love to buy, you know, another pair of shoes, or I'd really love It's so hard, and we have to wait. But you know, we're doing it as a, you know, we're doing it. We're a team. uh, We're going to, you know, work toward that goal. And I, I'm so proud of the way you're waiting for that. And those, that kind of language of, yeah, it's tricky, you know, admitting it because it is, or yeah, it would be nice if we had, you know, a pool in our backyard. We don't have that, but we have, you know, family movie night where we all sit around and watch something, you know, on Netflix. And that's kind of, kind of our fun family thing and everyone's different and, and acknowledging that and not being afraid to sort of say it is kind of hard, but we have a lot of great benefits also.
0: What you do, and before we like end up, I just have this question for you and I remember reading it in your book as well. There are some times when our kids are in situations where they come into a large amount of money for themselves. Mm. I mean, maybe in the long run, it's not a large amount of money. But, you know, they uh, graduated from high school. They right. uh, had their sweet 16. They had a bar bar mitzvah. Um, they, mm. they came into some money um, and they didn't, earn it it was you know from a party or right. whatever or maybe it was a birthday or whatever and right. and now do they just get to do whatever they want with it or would you advise differently with, with a sum of money that came in not from doing a job
1: right I think that it depends again on the age I think the bar and bar mitzvah issue or a sweet 16 or you know if you're having a big party and relatives are coming and I think it is very not only appropriate but really Really essential to talk to a kid and say, you know, this money that we're coming in, first of all, we're going to use half of it to pay for the party. Mm. That's always something that is reasonable to say if mm, that's something so you need. So interesting, yes. Yeah. Or, you know, if, they're, if you don't need to pay, if you're able to afford the party for them, you say, you know what, we're, and you explain it, not in a mean way. But just we're able to pay for this party for you, which is great. Um, We're so excited to do it. But we think it would be really nice to give, you know, 10% or a third of it to when you're older, especially 13 or or 16 or graduation. Maybe give a little bit of it toward an organization or charity that you really feel strongly about. Um, That's something I think that that's when you could start introducing that idea of actually... Giving Mm -hmm. uh, cash, especially if it's kind of like a windfall, like a bar mitzvah or a big, you know, a big celebration, Um, I think having those conversations up front uh, and really talking through um, why you feel that way. And, um, and I think it's okay to say to 13-year-olds or even 16-year-olds, you know what, we think this is really important. So, you know, we're going to talk about, we'll let you decide what charity mm-hmm, is or sure. what organization. Um, and you really have the freedom to look into all the different organizations and do research and we'll help you with that. Um, but we think this is really important. And I think that's a way as a parent you're kind of really... Um, making clear what your values are and your expectations for your kids. Um, And I think kids come around to it. I mean, um, in, in all aspects of parenting, I've seen that, you know, now, they might not agree with you at the moment, but they think about it later and realize, okay, well, you know, and I've had, you know, it's gratifying when your kids get a little older, sometimes they'll actually surprise you and say, oh, I'm glad you didn't give me your mm-hmm. credit card mm-hmm. when I went shopping with my friends, even though all they, they all had their parents' mm-hmm. credit cards. You gave me cash and it made me understand something.
0: That is terrific and good for you. <laughs> Gratifying for you. Let's yeah, take a bye. pause and say, well done, Beth. Um, yes, you. yes. Uh, and and people who know me know that I, I do a lot of charity work with my kids. They, mm. instead of uh, for their birthdays, instead of them getting uh, presents, they, they collect for charity, not money, but actual items that are in need, maybe like dog leashes and all that stuff for a shelter mm. or uh, special things for the hospital books you know the pajama mm. program I mean all kinds of things teddy bears for p- kids who uh, you know don't have somebody to hug at night all those kinds of things and so for this that, that I mean that just resonates with me and and I, I of course love the idea of, of taking some of the money that comes in and, and benefiting an organization that your child picks I know that in your book for those who are interested you put you put some really good ones in there that mm. um, I hadn't yeah. even thought about and I'm I'm going to look into that oh. That allow kids to really understand where their money is going. I, I've, right. lo- I've seen the one where you can buy a goat or a chicken for a family. I yeah. love all that. Have for International, that's yeah. a great one. Yeah, that's a great one. And there's a bunch of other ones. Um, I think Birthday Buddies, I think, was yeah. one of them. All of those are great charities, and and I would encourage people to take a look at those in, in Beth's book. But now is the time for your top tip. Out of everything that we've talked about what would you say is your top tip that you would want people to come away with? I think it's
1: saying that, and there's many different ways of saying this, but I think it's, we don't spend money. We don't have Mm -hmm. that. We don't buy things, even though there are different ways to buy things with credit cards. We don't, we don't want to live our life like that because we want to feel secure and not worried all the time about paying bill collectors or, you know, being deep in debt and always feeling like you're behind. We want to be, you know, ahead of the game and that we don't spend money we don't have in our bank account or in our wallets. And, you know, even when you go shopping, using cash occasionally just so your kids can see that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a very important message uh, for young children to hear again and again um, because I find, you know, when I meet grown-ups in their 40s and 50s, they say, oh, I sure wish somebody told me yes. what a credit card really was. Mm-hmm. I sure wish I knew, you know, I knew how to save money." So I think we don't spend the money um, we don't have, and we really try to save a set amount, whether it's 10%, 20% of our money. As we get older, in particular, as we start earning money, it that comes first.
0: Yes. not spending more than we have and saving. Yes, absolutely. I think that's an important message and goes along well with, is it a want or a need that we talked about in the very mm-hmm. beginning? Where would you exactly. uh, tell people to go in order to get more information about you or your books or any of your appearances?
1: Right. So I have a website. It's BethCobliner. And um, the book is available all over, um, you know, barnesandnoble.com, Amazon, and also a lot of independent bookstores, um, which, uh, you know, is always gratifying for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people, you know, they know they need this topic. They know when they, as soon as they hear it, they say, wow, I, I wish, you know, I wish I had that book when, you know, my kids were younger, or I wish I learned this when I was younger. But I think... You know, biting the bullet and hopefully the book makes it not super scary because I really think you don't you don't have to be a money genius to teach your kid to be a money genius. Um, And that probably is the biggest lesson. I think that hopefully parents will take away when they
0: read it. Yes, I think that they will. I, I'm so grateful for the information you provided today. I really feel like it's very simple. You know, I, it's so smart, but it's very simple. And it, it, because it's separated by age, it feels very doable. So thank mm. you so much for coming on the show and thank telling you. us how this works age by age. I really right. appreciate it. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you you're so welcome well i've got my takeaways and sweet friends i know you have yours let's discuss them come up on facebook let's go to dr robin Silverman's page or let's chat about it at drrobinsilverman.com, twitter.com slash dr and if you love this podcast like i did and this is really important information would you kindly go up to itunes rate review and share it people need these solutions you're going to be helping them out please let them know about it so that they can use it in their own homes. I can't tell you how much I'd appreciate it if you would do that. That's all the time we have for today. My fellow parents, leaders, and educators, thank you so much for tuning in to How to Talk to Kids About Anything. For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, please visit drrobinsilverman.com. So many great podcasts. There's going to be show notes up there. I look forward to weathering the storms and enjoying the sunny side of life together. And please remember, even on the days when we fall short you've got this you may not have talked about money with your kids but you can you're getting the information you need right now I know it's not easy but never forget there's always tomorrow parenting is the ultimate do-over I'm right there with you and as there are moments when we doubt our know-how our choices and our sweet sanity please know you are 10 times the parent you think you are You really are. Until next time, this is Dr. Robin Silverman with How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Please tune in again and keep connecting through conversation. See you next week. You've been listening to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman. For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, please visit drrobinsilverman.com.